0: Hi everyone, it's Alastair from Parcast, and I'm here to tell you about my sizzling new Spotify original, Crime Down Under. Every Sunday, explore some of the most terrifying true crime cases in Australian history. Dive in with this exclusive clip from the first episode. If you like it and want to hear more, be sure to follow Crime Down Under free and only on Spotify. Due to the graphic nature of this episode, listener discretion is advised. This episode contains discussion of child death that some listeners may find disturbing. Caution is advised for listeners under 13. Welcome, friends, to Crime Down Under, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden, and I'll be your tour guide for this trip through some of the most shocking, mysterious, and downright terrifying crimes Australia's ever seen. Around the world, Australia is probably best known for its beaches and for the seemingly endless dangers posed by its wildlife. And to be fair, the island nation's spiders, sharks and snakes are all dangerous enough to warrant caution when visiting the Great Southland. But they're not all you have to worry about down under because Australia also has a reputation for wild, true crime stories. Very fitting for a country that was once used by the British as a penal colony. Over the next 11 episodes, we're going to visit the tales that are sure to stick with you long after they're done, and we're beginning with one of the most infamous disappearances in recent memory. Azaria Chamberlain, as covered by our show, Gone. Little Azaria was just nine weeks old when she vanished from her parents' tent in the Australian outback in 1980. Her disappearance kicked off a frantic search until… Well, I won't spoil it for you.
1: Azaria Chamberlain's short life began on June 11, 1980. Her father, Michael, was a preacher in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Her mother, Lindy, spent her days making wedding dresses and looking after
2: her sons, six-year-old Aidan and four-year-old Reagan. The Chamberlains were devoutly religious. Though many Christians believed in the second coming of Christ, the Adventists thought his return was imminent. They lived their lives always ready to be transported to heaven.
1: The Chamberlains were
2: vegetarians
1: and abstained from alcohol.
2: They were well-liked in their hometown of Mount Isa in Queensland, Northeast Australia. Azaria seemed destined to grow up with her peaceful, loving family. But her life was shorter than anyone expected.
1: In August 1980, the Chamberlains went on vacation. They traveled over 800 miles west to Uluru,
2: On the morning of August 17th, they hiked around the massive mountain. Michael took photographs, carefully documenting his family's vacation. He snapped a picture of Lindy holding two-month Azaria up. The
1: family climbed around the mountain, a task made difficult by the two rambunctious children and an infant. After their fun but exhausting day, the family settled in
2: for the night. At the public campsite, they met another couple, Sally and Greg Lowe, who'd brought along their year-and-a-half-old baby, Chantelle,
1: The two families immediately hit it off.
2: When Michael served the sausages, the Lowe's may not have been thrilled to discover that they were vegetarian. And as Greg sipped his beer, Lindy spoke up on what she saw as the wickedness of alcohol.
1: But the slight scolding didn't derail the evening. The couples continued to talk about family, life, and the day's adventures. As the sun went down, the air got colder, and Lindy made sure Azaria was warm in her white jumpsuit and matching knit matinee jacket.
2: Four-year-old Reagan went to bed before anybody else, but six-year-old Aiden stubbornly stayed awake, playing with his parents and chasing a mouse.
1: Around eight o'clock, Azaria fell asleep. Lindy and Aiden left the group to put her in the tent.
2: Ten minutes later, they returned to the campfire. With two children asleep, the Chamberlain socialized with the Lows while Aiden played nearby.
1: A few minutes later, Sally Lowe heard a baby's cry. The wail came from the direction of the Chamberlain's tent. Concerned, Lindy got up to investigate. Her scream sent Michael
2: rushing over.
1: He ripped open the front flap to see Azaria's bed was empty. There was no sign of his baby.
2: Michael tore out of the tent and saw his wife standing by the road leading out of the campsite. She didn't have Azaria in her arms.
1: Michael's heart stopped when Lindy yelled at the top of her lungs, my God, my God, the dingo's got my baby. The campground
2: erupted into chaos. Michael called for Greg Lowe. They ran in the direction Lindy said the dingo went, but total darkness lay beyond the light of the campfire. Neither man could see anything.
1: They rushed back to the campsite for a flashlight. Sally ran to her car and rummaged around. She simply couldn't believe what was happening.
2: Sally tore their supplies apart and finally found what Greg was looking for. Before he set off, he asked Sally to drive to the nearest police station, but it was no use. Sally shook and clutched her baby to her chest. She wasn't thinking clearly. By this point, the rumors had made the rounds, and every
1: camper had heard what had happened. A pair of vacationers drove to the local police station, only five minutes from the campsite.
2: The head of the station, Frank Morris, lived right next door. When he heard the reports, he hurried to the site to investigate. He was in such a rush, he didn't even put on his uniform.
1: When he peeked inside the Chamberlain's tent, Morris saw mattresses and sleeping bags, the smallest of which sat in the corner on top of an old carpet. Morris swept his flashlight over the rug, illuminating dark
2: stains. Small flecks of blood. Outside the tent, Morris saw a trail of what looked like dingo tracks leading away into the blackness.
1: Morris needed to search the area, but he didn't know enough about the wilds around Uluru. He called for the head ranger. He and the search teams needed all the help they could get to bring the child back alive.
2: By this point, Azaria had been missing for nearly 30 minutes. Lindy and Michael were already losing hope. They believed in God, but they didn't know if it was his will for Azaria to survive. Michael feared that a hungry dingo would have killed the baby immediately.
1: If she'd somehow survived the attack, she'd
2: freeze to death in the cold. At
1: night, the temperatures around Uluru could drop as low as 28 degrees Fahrenheit.
2: That just meant the rescuers had no time to lose. While they waited for the ranger to arrive, People set off into the night to find anything they could. Beams of light swept across the scrub brush.
1: Mothers nervously watched their children, afraid another wild dog might come into the campground. Amidst this activity, Sally Lowe tried to get six-year-old Aiden to sleep, but it was no use. Aiden wailed, the dingo has our bubby in his
2: tummy. Sally shuddered to think about the cries she'd heard less than an hour before. She couldn't shake the feeling that she heard the child's death wail. And she could only imagine how much worse the tragedy was for the Chamberlains.
1: When he finally arrived at roughly 8.30 p.m., Chief Ranger Derek Roth expected he'd have to comfort frantic parents. But he was surprised by the Chamberlains' strange sense of calm. Roth was
2: prepared for hope, fury, or anguish. But instead the couple seemed emotionally numb to the tragedy.
1: As Roth interviewed them, the Chamberlains said they were reconciled to the fact that they'd never see their child alive again. But they still wanted to find their daughter's remains, even if there wasn't much left to find.
2: Around 9 p.m., Morris and Roth organized roughly 300 volunteers into a massive human chain. Armed with flashlights, they struck out across the grasslands, The baby were all white, and they were confident they could spot her easily.
1: But another searcher, separate from the chain, found the first real clue.
2: Amateur tracker Murray Habby scoured the brush in the area that Lindy had first pointed at, where the dingo disappeared, and he spotted some dingo prints.
1: After a few more minutes of searching, he went to Chief Ranger Roth to report his findings. Roff called aboriginal wilderness expert Neva Minyantiri to verify the find.
2: Minyantiri noticed something else, a depression in the earth roughly the size of a baby. The three concluded that the dingo must have set Azaria down to rest. Unfortunately, the tracks disappeared after the depression, and the trio couldn't find where the trail went.
1: In fact, as the night wore on, there was no sign of the lost child. The Chamberlains were anxious for any word from the searchers. Even though they'd given up on finding Azaria alive, they wanted closure. But no one said anything.
2: Around midnight, a local nurse named Bobby Downs approached the family to ask if they wanted to go to a motel rather than sleep in a blood-splattered tent. Michael protested, saying they couldn't afford the room, but Bobby told him that nobody would make them pay for it.
1: With that assurance, Lindy and Michael Chamberlain took Aiden and Reagan to the Uluru Motel. But the grieving parents found no rest. And their sleepless night only got worse once the media heard their story.
2: The following morning at 7.30 a.m., the Adelaide News got a tip from a source in Alice Springs, the closest town to Uluru. A child had gone missing. The news agency wasted no time tracking down the Chamberlains.
1: Michael had just finished telling his parents the tragic news when the phone rang. It was the Adelaide News.
2: They wanted to interview Michael and Lindy. The couple agreed. They wanted to honor Azaria by sharing her story. And maybe they could save other parents from similar grief by warning them of the dangers when camping with a small child.
1: Shortly before 5 p.m., Michael and Lindy stood outside the hotel carrying their boys. A reporter, Jeff DeLuca, asked what had happened. Lindy recounted the events of the previous night. She said she saw a dingo leaving the tent, but she didn't see anything in its mouth. However, when she discovered Azaria's absence, she'd put two and two together.
2: Michael followed up, noting the dingo had lingered around the campsite the night before. He supposed it had been stalking the family and waiting for its chance to strike.
1: But even the horrible tragedy left his faith unshaken. He said, the loss of our baby is the will of
2: God. DeLuca asked Michael to repeat the line. He couldn't believe what he'd heard. Michael reaffirmed what he said.
1: The reporter was appalled. He couldn't imagine how anyone could be so calm and poised in the face of their baby's death.
2: As DeLuca and his crew packed up their equipment, the story nagged at him. He'd never heard of a dingo grabbing a baby before. And Michael and Lindy's reaction felt off. Something didn't add up.
0: Thanks for listening. Follow Crime Down Under to finish this episode and hear more. Catch a new episode every Sunday, free and only on Spotify.